is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. This message and looking again at this chapter, I was saying, Lord, would you give me something fresh? Because it's something I've looked at a number of times. I've, I've preached the chapter through uh, on numerous occasions. And uh, I really felt God speak to me and highlight a couple of things that, whilst I knew were there, I hadn't quite seen in such clarity before. And it's some of those things that I want to focus on this morning. So, shall we pray and ask God to help us? And uh, then we'll get onto, onto this chapter. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your words here. Thank you, Lord, that it's living and active. Thank you, it does us good. And I pray now, as we spend these moments together uh, in this gospel, that, Lord Jesus, you would speak to us, please. God, I pray you'd speak to us individually. Jesus, I pray you'd speak to us as a church. Lord, I pray you'd help me to communicate well what you've put on my heart. And Holy Spirit, we ask that all of us would have hearts that are open to you this morning, that you might come and be our teacher. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in Luke chapter 15, then, if you've, uh, if you've got it by now, Jesus tells three stories to illustrate largely the same point, that God loves lost people. God loves people who are far from him. Uh, Bill Hybels, the uh, American uh, preacher and writer, he says, lost people matter to God. And they do. People who are far from God, people who don't yet know him, who haven't yet experienced the, the touch of his love upon their lives, matter to him. Matter to him immensely. And they should matter to us as well. And maybe you might even this morning describe you in that sense. You might say, well, yeah, you feel that you're, you're far from God and maybe haven't known his touch upon your life and haven't experienced his grace working in you. Well, this morning, I want you to know that you matter to God. You're important to him. That he knows you. He knows about you. And he loves you. And he's for you. And he wants to speak to you even this morning. You matter to God. If you've got your, your Bible there, we're going to read a couple of verses and then I'm going to summarise some things Then we're going to jump in towards the end of the chapter once again. But we see right at the beginning of Luke chapter 15 that Jesus has a reputation. Luke says this, says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear him. This is to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners. And eats with them. That was Jesus' reputation. That he welcomed sinners and ate with them. Jesus has a reputation. Actually, it's true to say that all of us have a reputation, don't we? It might be good, or it might be bad. <laughs> it might, might be neutral. But all of us have a reputation. I wonder this morning, what would you say is your reputation? What's your reputation? What would people say about you? Not perhaps necessarily your best friend or your husband or wife who I'm trust would say something positive, one would hope. But what's your reputation? 
I've got a reputation about in, being interested in technology and IT and, uh, and gadgets and, and things like that. And, you know, that, that's neither good or bad, particularly. It's fairly neutral. Uh, and people would ask me about those sort of things. I might not work in that sector, but it's an interest of mine. Um, so probably more than a hobby. Try to make sure it doesn't quite take over my life. Um, but, you know, that's a reputation. And uh, it's often found in long IT support calls with my parents and my parents-in-law and, and others who get stuck on such technology-related matters because that's sort of a reputation I have and that, that's good, I, I enjoy that. But you've got a reputation as well. I wonder what it is. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it, is it just neutral? Jesus had a reputation, which we're told about here, for hanging out with as Luke puts it in inverted commas, sinners. He's not being very complimentary there. <laughs> He's saying it's how the people were describing people who are far from God. And Jesus has a reputation for spending time with them, for welcoming them in, for eating with them, for hanging out with them, for having hit them as his friends. The Pharisees thought that was bad. Jesus thought it was good. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus knew that it was those who were far from God that he'd come to, that he'd come for. I wonder, just before we move on, if you're a Christian here this morning, if you know and love Jesus, I wonder, do you have that same reputation? Have you got a reputation for loving people who don't know Jesus yet? Hanging out with people who are far from God? Having them as your friends? Welcoming them into your life? Into your home, maybe? Now, you might have that sort of reputation from a negative point of view. You might just spend all your time around people who, who don't know Jesus, who aren't walking with the Lord, and actually your lifestyle is no different to theirs, and actually to say that you know, you're around them isn't a very complimentary thing. It's actually a negative thing for you. The lifestyle that you lead may not honour God. And if that's the case, if you're a Christian this morning and you're in that category, then... I want to ask you to, to think about those things and ask the question, does how you live honour Jesus? Does it honour the Lord to have that sort of reputation? But you might have it from a positive point of view. It might be a really positive thing for you. You've got lots of friends who don't know Jesus yet. You love having them in your home, eating with them, having them as your friends. And your lifestyle says something to them. Because it speaks of you being uh, one who follows Jesus and loves him and wants others to encounter him as well. Maybe that's your reputation. And if so, that's a really positive thing. And well done. And keep going on that. Keep going on that. But maybe you don't have that reputation at all. Lots of research shows that for most Christians... The longer that they're a Christian, the, the longer that they're walking with the Lord, actually the less non-Christian friends they have. Because their, their other friends are mostly perhaps in a, in a church environment, 
and, and others who, who know and love Jesus. And it is good to have friends who, who know and love Jesus and we all need that. We need to be encouraged by one another. And another one of our values is loving one another and building each other up and encouraging one another. We want to do that and friends, we need to do that. And please don't hear what I'm not saying here. That's good and we need to be doing that. But listen, if you've got friends in your life who don't know Jesus yet. Too often churches hold guest services or Alpha course launches or other such events and the truth of the matter for many people is they, they don't know anybody to invite who is outside a Christian context. So if that's you and I suspect that there are those of us in each of those categories this morning if that's you then I want to encourage you Make some friends with people who don't know Jesus yet. Love them. Let them encounter Jesus in your life. Show them what it's like to be a friend of God. Show them what it's like to have a relationship with him. Let them encounter Jesus through you. Maybe even in these moments, the Lord might be speaking to you. Which category are you in? Have you got that reputation for knowing a whole bunch of people who don't know Jesus yet and loving them, serving them, seeking to show by your life what it's like to walk with the Lord, have his grace flowing through you. Or maybe for you, you're thinking, actually, you need to to make some new friends. Not to ditch the others, (laughs) but to make some new ones as well. Those who are perhaps far from God at the moment. Well, What is it you're doing already that you can maybe do with people who don't know him yet? Maybe a hobby or an interest. Maybe a friendship. What might it be for you? What might it be? So, anyway, Jesus tells these three stories. And we've uh, got here in Luke chapter 15 a story about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And we'll, we'll read the, uh, the parable of the lost son in a moment, just in case you're thinking we're not going to read much scripture this morning. We are, but we'll get there in a second. So firstly, what Jesus tells a story about a lost sheep. We've got a farmer who has a hundred sheep, counts them in, he finds that one is missing. So he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And when he finds it, there's great rejoicing. He then tells a story about a, a woman who, who loses a coin. She has ten silver coins, and each one is probably worth about a day's wages. And when she loses one, she searches high and low until she finds it. And when she does, again, there's great rejoicing and great partying. Jesus says in Luke 15, verse 10, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So Jesus is now making this story mean something. For us to understand. He makes it clear this isn't about coins or sheep really. <laughs> this is to illustrate a point. It's a parable. It's designed to get us thinking. Jesus wants us to teach us something in these stories about people who are far from God that he loves. And then finally we've got the parable of the lost son. Jesus ups the ante each time, doesn't he? We go from a sheep to a coin and now it's a son. Let's read it together, starting at verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. 
Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth, wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Jesus is deliberately causing offence here. His, his hearers would have been offended at this story. You know, for the younger son to ask for his inheritance before his father dies, is, is tantamount to saying to his dad, I wish you were dead. You know, it would have offended his listeners. And that's what Jesus was intending to do. So the younger son gets the wealth, goes off, wastes it, and then realises when he's in a mess and doesn't have any money and he's just feeding pigs, which bear in mind what unclean animals, the Jews, that would have offended them as well. Jesus is making this as bad as possible. At that moment, he says, you know what, I might as well just go home and see if I can become one of my father's hired men. Hired servants were the lowest of the classes of servants. They had really no rights. They weren't part of the family. It was just like a casual position. So he wasn't after much, really. He was just wanted to go back from the position he had as a son to now the lowest class of servants. And he works out his speech and he heads for home. But before he gets there, his father sees him. 
Luke 15, verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms round him and kissed him. His father is overwhelmed to have his son back home. He doesn't get a chance to deliver his well-thought-out speech. He's just welcomed home, welcomed back into the family. By the father going to his son, he's making a very public statement. He's saying, I forgive you. By the father taking the initiative, going to his son, he knows that his son would have faced great criticism from the village. You know, the village would have known that he'd gone off and spent all his money. But the father goes to him and walks him back home, taking all the grief on himself, really, and forgives him publicly, welcoming him back into the family, kills the fattened calf, throws a party, gets a, a, a ring to go on his finger. He's welcomed back home. He's welcomed in as a son. And again, there's great celebrating and partying. He has a robe put on him and a, and a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. And he's accepted back into the family. So this parable, even more than the other two, illustrates the point that God loves people who are lost, who are far from him. He really does. And so should we. So let me ask you a question. Think about it for a moment. Your five closest friends, just to pick up what we said earlier, do they know Jesus or are they far from God? How about your top ten? Same question. What about the last people you had in your home for a meal? I want to encourage us this morning to be building bridges with people who don't know Jesus yet. Let's love them and show them God's love in the way that we love them, serve them, care for them. It's not a project. We're not seeing people as a project. Heaven forbids. Rather, we're reaching out to people who don't know Jesus yet. I want to encourage us this morning to be doing that. Some of you this morning may think that you're like that sheep or son maybe it's funny really isn't it the story of the lost sheep you think well a shepherd's got 99 others you know why be so concerned about the one and maybe you think that about yourself well God's got plenty of other people he can't be concerned about me listen these parables tell you he is and the parable of the lost son speaks it out very very specifically Just as the father was looking for his son to come home, God's looking for you to come home this morning and wants a relationship with you. But you know, it's easy for us to miss something in this story, I think. It's easy for us to miss the other son. We get so focused on the son, the younger one, who, one who goes to his father and says, give, give me the cash, I want, to, want it now, I want to go and spend it. That we forget the older son. We sort of skip over the last few verses and just make the point about the younger son. But actually, I felt in preparing this that God wanted us to look at these verses just for a few moments before we finish. Because the older son in this story has got something to teach us as well. He gets offended 
because his younger brother gets his inheritance early, wastes a load of money, and when he's down on his luck and has run out of cash, comes home and his father welcomes him back into the family. And so the older son now says to his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours, he says, that's not my, not my brother, he says, this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home and you kill the fattened calf for him. He's not happy, is he? Clearly, he's not happy. But more than being not happy, his problem is this. He didn't understand who he was. The older son didn't understand who he was. He didn't get what it meant to be a son. He didn't understand everything he had as part of the family. He didn't realise that all that his father had was his to enjoy. He could have had a party any time he wanted, but never did. He never realised it. He missed it. He didn't realise who he was. And friends, I think this can be true of us sometimes. I think it's true of, of many in churches right across this land. People who don't realise who they are in Christ. People who don't realise their position in Him. Is that you this morning? You are a son, a daughter of the living God. Do you realise that? Do you realise what that means? Are you working so hard for Him that you forget to enjoy Him? You're a son. You're a daughter. Jesus in John 15 says this. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus makes it clear. He calls us his friends, but more than that, you're not a servant, not even a friend. You're a son or daughter of the living God. If we were in a Pentecostal church at this point, there would be whoops and hallelujahs and amens and, uh, and everything else because if we really understand the truth of it, friends, it's mind-blowing. It really is. It's not that you just happen to know the Lord and he's forgiven your sin and, uh, and that's all good. No, 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 you're a son. You're a daughter. You're part of the family now. He is your heavenly Father, you are now in Christ. Do you know the joy of sonship? You're part of the family. You're in him. You're not outside anymore. You're not far away. You've been brought in. You've been brought near. Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And this morning, maybe God wants to bring some of you near. Maybe you've already responded to him. Maybe you're, you describe yourself as a Christian. Maybe you're walking with the Lord. But I think this morning, God wants to bring you near. 
He wants you to understand who you are in Christ, that you are a son and a daughter of the living God. Amen? Think about what that means. He is now your father. You're part of the family. The Bible talks about being in Christ. It's not that you're just uh, accepted in, you sort of snuck in by the skin of your teeth somehow. No, no, no. That's not how we treat our kids, is it? They're part of our family. We welcome them in. And that's just how the Lord has treated you if you know him and love him. You are a son or a daughter of a living God. And I feel this morning that God wants to bring fresh revelation to many of you about that. Knowing what that means. Knowing that you might experience his joy because of it. Because understanding that and allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you and make it live in your life will bring great joy and great release because you know who you are in Jesus. And it's not that you're just sort of trying to get better and please the Lord and struggle. No, it's none of that. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're accepted. It's not that you have to try harder or work better to somehow be accepted by the Lord. You are. You're part of the family. You're a son. You're a daughter. He loves you. You are in Christ. You're not far away. You've been brought close. Been brought in. Been brought near. Well, this morning, friends, I feel that God wants to bring some of you near. Some of you close. That you might understand who you are in Christ. Do you need to work on your reputation? Maybe you need to return home. Maybe you're like the lost sheep. Or maybe the lost son. Or are you perhaps like the older son? Not realising really who you are in Christ. Not really understanding what it means that he's your father now. That you're part of the family. That you've been accepted In the same way that the father in the story gives the youngest son, he puts a ring on his finger, puts sandals on his feet, he puts the best robe round him, and they celebrate because he come, he's come home. Think about it for a moment. Think about the angels in heaven celebrating because you've come home. Watching you return to the Lord because... You've come home. And just as the father then puts this, this ring on his finger, commentators would say that it's perhaps a, 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 a signet ring. It's like a ring that is a seal. It's a sign of who he is. It's not just some decoration to look nice. It's not just a bit of jewellery. Now oh, that's nice on his finger. No, no. It signifies something. It shows that he's a son. It shows he's part of the family. God has given you his spirit as a seal. So that you know that you're part of the family now. He's put his spirit in you. The guaranteed deposit of what is to come. Both now and in eternity. Because you're a son. You're a daughter. Have you realised who you are in Christ? Perhaps if the band can come back please. You can juggle baby and guitar Adam. I'm sure you can. Thanks Rach.
God wants to bring fresh revelation, I believe, to many of you this morning about who you are in Christ. So can we stand together? I'm going to pray, and uh, then Adam's going to lead us in a song. pray together Heavenly Father we want to thank you this morning for these stories that Jesus told thank you for what they help us to understand about you loving people who are far from you indeed even walking in the opposite direction thank you Lord that you went after us Thank you that you took hold of our lives, turned us around and brought us near, brought us close. And I want to pray right now that this morning we would have a fresh revelation of who we are in Christ. I pray, Lord, that we would see it, maybe for the first time, or we would see it with greater clarity about who we are in you, what it means to be in Christ, what it means to be part of your family now, to, to, have, to be a son or daughter of the living God, to be brought in, brought close, brought near. Lord, I pray that you would do a work of your spirit now. Lord, I, I pray it would be something that your spirit does. Would you send him to us now that we might get this, we might see it, we might understand it in a new way. Lord, this is not a cognitive thing that we somehow need to work out academically with our brains but rather it's a a work of the spirit and so I pray Lord God would your spirit come now and would we get this would we see it afresh this morning Lord if we've seen it before I pray we see it with greater clarity if we haven't seen it before I pray speak Lord would we get it now would we understand it and would we say Lord that we can now celebrate we can have great joy because of who we are in you we're now a son and daughter of the living God and so Father I pray reveal it by your spirit now in Jesus name thank you Lord let's worship together let's praise him